Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52, we're going to start there in the Word today. So Isaiah 52, thank you Jesus. You know, we, were, we had a, a little prayer time with our, with our staff a, a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, a week ago Saturday, and we just felt like during this season of, of, of prayer and fasting as we're opening the year with this 21 days of focusing on, on the Lord and just, just seeking Him, just a little extra time, you know, just a little just setting aside some things and saying, God, we're putting you first this year and we're, we're, we want to we wanna have what's your agenda for this year, not our agenda. We want to hear your voice. We don't want to hear just our voice. We don't want to just have our thoughts. And so as we, as we did that, um, it was a week ago Saturday, just spent the whole, uh, the whole morning uh, just in prayer and worship and just, just seeking God together and seeking God personally uh, and God began to just highlight some things for us. I mean, he really, I mean, David and Felicia, I mean, he really s- spoke to us. God just, just revealed some stuff to us and confirmed things, gave us some prophetic pictures, and a lot of it we may still be unpacking and trying to figure out, but um, most of all, we were just encouraged, hey, that God is speaking. God, God is speaking. And we, we need to hear what he's saying for now, we don't need to hear what he said for 2020, although most of us would like to go back and say, you know, if you didn't write something down at the start of 2020, that I should have or something, you know, I should have been listening. Uh, what was God, what, what, what did God say? What was, what was he preparing my heart for? And uh, because God was speaking, uh, he was preparing hearts. He's, he's not surprised by anything that happens in our lives personally, in our world, in our nation. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It says, you know, that uh, there's a scripture that says that, that God laughs at what the, what the wicked are doing. So, you know, right now, when, if things are going bad, God's laughing. Uh, he, he's up there laughing and saying, nope, that's not gonna, that's not gonna spoil my plan. That's not gonna spoil my purpose for the earth. It's not gonna spoil the future I have, uh, in Jesus for all the people of God and the kingdom of God coming into earth forever and ever and, and uh, all the sorrow and sin and sadness and grief and pain being wiped away once and for all, it's not going to stop that plan. And so as we were praying, though, I mean, this is, this is a scripture that was highlighted for, for me personally that I felt like it was for our, our church uh, to begin the year, and maybe a little bit for the, for the body of Christ at large, but more specifically... Uh, for, for our body. So I want to I wanna unpack it and start to unpack it a little bit today. It was really the whole, just the end of Isaiah. Isaiah is so amazing. Uh, I probably say this all the time. <laughs> or do I say this about every scripture I'm going to talk about? <laughs> it's amazing. 
the Bible is amazing, the scriptures are amazing. It's true. It's just true. When God is, when you're in the Word and God quickens your heart, He stirs your heart, it's amazing because that's the, that's the bread for the day. That's the, that's the life that God's giving you. That Jesus said, pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, God has something for us every day that's life. God has something for us every day that's truth, and it's, you've got to get into the Word to get it. You've got to be in the Scriptures. You've got to be reading the Word of God and allowing Him to speak to you, and not just a casual glance at it, but to sit and say, God, what are you saying to me through the Scriptures? And so these are some of the things that came out. Let's read the Scripture. Um, what was I saying about Isaiah? Uh, Isaiah is a great bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That Isaiah is a great book that shows that the Bible is just one story, as we talked about a few weeks ago in December. There's one story in the Bible. There's not, there's not a bunch of little Bible stories that are just random things that God did or random things that people did for God. No, it's all one story. It's all, the Old Testament all is pointing to Jesus. The coming of Jesus, the promise of Jesus, what Jesus is going to do, what he's going to look like, what his character is going to be like. And then the New Testament is now that Jesus has come, it points back to Jesus and points to the future in Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Like it says throughout all the book of Ephesians, now that you're in Christ Jesus, this is what happens. And so the New Testament is pointing forward from what Jesus from what Jesus did in the past and doing in the present in my life to what he's doing in the future. And so no matter what, it's still the story of Jesus. And so the end part of Isaiah is so amazing because it's so much of it is about Jesus. So much of it is the promise of Messiah coming and what he's going to do and what he's going to look like and what his character is going to be like. He's going to be a suffering servant. He's going to bring life. He's going to bring resurrection, all those things. So Isaiah 52, let's get to that scripture. It says this, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open the word as we read it. It says, awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourselves with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit in throne, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, at first my people went down to Egypt to live, lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now, what do I have here, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day long my name is constantly blasphemed. That sounds like the day we're living in right now, right? Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. And so God here, of course, is, is declaring something very specific to the, to the people of Israel about their freedom 
from their captivity because they were taken captive because of their disobedience. And he is specifically speaking to the people of God and saying, hey, I'm going to do these things and you're going to be free. You're going to take off the chains from your neck. In other words, you're going to be able to, I'm going to free you so much that you're going to be able to take the things off that were once holding you captive. You're going to be now free and you're going to walk in the blessing and the freedom and people are going to know it was me that did that. We're going to know, hey, this is God. This was not something natural. This was not an accident. This was not just the circumstances worked out. This was not human effort. This was God. And so these promises here, what I want to do is make an application to us here that uh, that some of these words I think are relevant to us as a people of God in our time, in the time that God has called us to live. Did you know that God knew you were going to be living right now? That he, he purposed you to be living in this specific time. He said, I want you this age in 2021. You're going to have these friends. You're going to work at this place. This is what your family's going to look like. These are the people that you're going to live next. And I have a purpose for you. You exist for this very moment that he knew it from all eternity that Michael and Elizabeth were going to live on the corner in grasslands and say, there's going to be people around you that need to know Michael and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I hope you don't mind me using you all. <laughs> don't sit in the front if you don't want to get mentioned. Um, so God knew we were going to be living in this time. And I believe there's a couple of words here that are relevant. And so I want to take this scripture and use it as a prophetic word for our church. And number one is this. It's time to put on strength. The, the word there is actually the word, it says in the, in the NIV, where I read it from, it says, clothe yourselves with strength. In other words, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna put something on. I believe that, that 2020, uh, at large, for our nation and especially for the church, the people of God, it was a stripping away. That what God was doing was intention. He wasn't bringing, God doesn't bring the bad stuff. What he does is he says, even though the bad stuff's happening, I'm going to use it and bring good. I'm going to turn evil into good. I'm going to turn what was meant to harm into something that can be used for my kingdom. And so I, I believe part of what happened in 2020 was God says, look, we need to strip some, some things away. Some things need to fall off of our lives. These things that are, you know, we are trusting in, we're, you're not trusting in the Lord. That's what happens when there's a stripping away, right? When you get things, when things are out of control and you have no control, what's stripped away is all of your own things that you think you're in control of your life. All those ways that you think that you're really in charge and you're making sure everything's happening and you got all the, all the ducks in a row and, and, and you got your, your kids doing the things that they're supposed to do and your, you know, your job's working out the way it should and, and everything's flowing like it should, exactly like you imagined it. And then when things get stripped away, guess what? We find out what we really have without Jesus. Nothing. Why? And it's the kindness of God that would say, I will strip away everything in your life till it's only me because you need me first. If he doesn't do that, 
then he's not really good. If God is really the best thing for us, then sometimes he has to take away things that are somewhat good and say, no, if you're not going to trust me that I am the highest good, then I have to take those things away from you because what you're going to go through in the future, you're going to need to trust me. You're going to need to trust me. So I think part of what was going on last year is certainly on a broad scale, and you may have had it personally in your life, you've probably had different years where that happened, where the world was fine. Everybody was, it was a great year. And you're like, no, this was hell. And we've all had those personal times and personal years where we personally walk through something that shakes us to our core, that strips things away from us. And what happens is we find ourselves down as it, as the picture is here, down in the dust. And God has to call to us and He says, awake! Awake! Wake up! You're not dead! You're just asleep, maybe. But you're not dead. Wake up. That's what he says here to start. Awake, awake, Zion. You know, the word, the word Zion is, is just kind of a fascinating thing. Does anybody know what Zion is? What, what's Zion? Does anybody, anybody want to be wrong in church? Who wants to be wrong in church right now? Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're like, no, that's why nobody's raising their hand, right? <laughs> so what is Zion? Well, literally in the Old Testament, Zion is what they call the city of Jerusalem, and really the, the high, high point of Jerusalem, kind of where the temple was and stuff, was like, let us go up to Zion, because it was on a hill. Jerusalem was on a hill. It was the city on a hill, so everyone could see it. All the regions around it could see it. And so uh, they would say, let us go up to Zion. So in some ways, it was a, you know, it was a, a word that was used, a like, you know, like a personal word. In other words, that word that makes you feel emotion. You know, not just calling it Jerusalem. You say, no, it's Zion. You know, it's, it's like whatever that... When you have a personal name for, for your spouse or your kids or something or whatever that you only use with them and, you know, it's between you and them. That's kind of how, like, the people of God, the Jews, would have thought of when they said the word Zion, it would have invoked something. It's not just, it's not just the city. No, this is, this is Zion. And it became to be known as, like, Zion became the dwelling place of God, really, in the Old Testament. And so Zion as the dwelling place of God is, is a, a theme throughout the Old Testament. It begins to say, hey, let us return to Zion. In other words, that the presence of God, the dwelling place of God is where the good stuff happens. This is where the real life happens. This is where the freedom happens. This is where amazing things happen. So if we can just, we got to return to Zion. It's like when the people of God were taken away, they were, they were removed from what they thought was the, the place of God's blessing. Because they're like, we got to return to Zion. It says, you know, when we, when we return, we return with weeping. And so, you know, of course it says in the scriptures, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. And so sometimes you have a season of tears that you go through so you can reap the harvest of joy and blessing. And so Zion in the New Testament begins to take on something new because God even likens it 
ultimately to the dwelling place of God and heaven coming down to earth. In the book of Hebrews, it says, you know, there's going to be Zion is going to God's holy mountain is going to be there forever. And then finally, in the book of Revelation, I know I'm doing this very quickly. uh, In the book of Revelation, it says Zion comes down and dwells upon earth, basically, to summarize it quickly. So Zion here is a the word is huge. It's not just a word that God throws out. In other words, he's saying all of what that is is going to be come awake. And more importantly, he's specifically saying, you are the people of God who are a part of Zion. You're a part of my presence. You're the people that belong to me. You're my personal, you're my personal people. You, you are my loved ones. And he says, wake up, clothe yourselves with strength. There are several scriptures I want to read about clothing ourselves. All throughout the scripture, it talks about putting on things, clothing ourselves. That we have to be intentional with with doing this, uh, because this is this is God, part of God's empowerment in our lives. And what He does, you have to. There's there's two things that we have to do with empowerment. Is number one, we have to receive it, and number two, we have to put it on. We have to get dressed in it. We have to dress it. What did, what did Jesus say uh, to the disciples before he left at the end of the book of Luke? In Luke twenty four forty nine? he says, Wait in Jerusalem and you will be clothed with power from on high. In other words, you're going to receive an empowerment from heaven. You have to receive it first, but then you have to wear the clothing. Y'all like clothes? Who likes clothes here? Okay. I'm one of those. I'm, let me tell you, I'm one of the. I'm a weird. I'm weird with clothes, right, babe? I'm weird with clothes. Okay. I do like clothes too. I know I'm a dude, but I like clothes. Okay. I probably shop for clothes more than Ashley. I don't mean buy. I mean shop. Okay. I know what shopping is. Okay. It's not buying necessarily. Okay. So. If I really like a shirt, I won't wear it. My wife just said, just so the live stream can hear that, she said, that's so dumb, okay? Because I don't want to wear it out. I want it to look amazing for like 15 years, okay? Okay, and... You spouses, you know, ladies, you're looking in your husband's, you know, closet. If they have their own closet, I do now. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, you know, you've got those shirts they've had for like 20 years, and you try to get rid of them, right? And they're like, no, 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 that's my special shirt. I mean, that's how I feel about it. But you never wear it. I know, because it's special. I don't want to wash it too many times and let it fade away, you know? It's like... You know, I got the 2020 World Series Dodger shirts. I got at least two of them. Uh, well, three of them. Uh, maybe we should get some more of them. It's like, I don't want to wear them too much because I want that thing to last a long time. In 2040, when they haven't won it again still, I'm still going to pull it out. But 2020, baby, that was, that was an awesome year, man. The Dodgers won. I got a new house. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> All the rest of that stuff I forgot. So I'm weird with clothes. And so we don't want to be weird like me with the clothing God gives us. 
We don't want it to sit in the closet and just look nice and be like, oh man, look at, look at this nice shirt I have. It's so amazing. I don't want to mess it up though. And, but God's clothing doesn't, it doesn't get messed up. It's, it's used in its proper way when we clothe ourselves. So let me read some of these scriptures. Romans 13 and verse 14, it says, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Have clothed yourselves with Christ. Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 1 Peter 5.5, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, and all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor or gives grace to the humble. So all throughout Scripture, there's this idea of clothing ourselves. And so we receive the clothing, but we need to wear the clothing. And in this moment, God is saying, put on strength. It's time to put on my power in your life. It's time to empower yourself with the strength I am giving you and not worry about what is going on around you or what the future is going to be like or what you're going to face next, but clothe yourselves. Put that strength on. I've given it to you. God would not tell us to put something on that he hadn't given us yet. He wouldn't do that. If he's given us strength, he's saying, Put on your strength. Be strong. What does it say in Ephesians 6? Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And then put on what? Put on some more stuff. The full armor of God. You want to know something fun about the armor of God? Have you ever heard somebody say, I put on the armor of God every morning, right? Have you heard that before in church? Yeah? I heard someone else say, why did you take it off at night? (laughs) Anyway, that's it. I understand, I understand, but I, I get, I get it all. So I get the semantics. It's just funny. So put on strength. So I, I believe God's going to release new strength this year. I believe that you're going to find yourself strong in areas where maybe you thought you were weak before. You're going to find strength where you didn't think you had the will and the ability to go on. God says, no, I'm going to give you strength. You're going to put something on and you're going to walk right through it. I'm going to part the waters and you're not going to wear out halfway through the Red Sea and have to lay down and wait for the waters to come over you. You're going to walk all the way through the dry ground and you're going to enter into the promise that I have given you. Put on strength. It says, put on what? Your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city. And so in this point, God is, you know, he's talking to them as if they are one, a part of the city. In other words, his people, his Ultimately, in the future, it's like, you know, God coming down for his bride, Jesus with a bride, the church. And so he says, put on your, your garments of splendor. In other words, your, your, your beautiful robes, the things I've given you that are beautiful, I want you to put those on. I want you to, to look like I've created you to look. I, I've created you to be clothed with Jesus Christ. 
You've been given the robe of, of righteousness. It says in the scriptures, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are now the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. It's such an encouragement to know that I am no longer an unworthy sinner. Uh, I am now the righteousness of God in Christ because of what Jesus did. My old is gone, my new has come, and I can walk in newness of life. I don't have to walk in the way of death anymore because I've been raised up with Christ and I've been seated with Him in heavenly realms and I sit next to Jesus and my, my life does not belong to me anymore because I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I'm going to live for him in the strength that he gives me. Some of us, we just, we just, need, we just need to put on the strength that is available for the children of God and live the life that he has given us to live. But there's another part of this scripture I think that's very important. We're going to hit three of them today. Uh, Well, we'll see how far we get actually. We're planning to hit three. Verse 2 says this. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit in throne, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains of your neck. Daughter Zion, now a captive. This is the second word I felt like that God gave us as a church was this. It's time to shake some things off. It's time to, there's some things that you just need, that we just need to finally, once and for all, just shake them off. And get them off of our lives, that they don't belong anymore, they, they, don't, need a, they don't need to continually gnaw at our hearts or our minds or our emotions, uh, whatever that might be. I don't know what that would be for you personally, um, But there's an interesting picture that's going on in here. If you think about the word dust in Scripture. um, So I need a drink. So can I take a drink? Thank you. So we first see dust showing up in Scripture where? When Adam is created. Okay? So God takes, it says he takes the ground, the dust of the earth, and he... He forms a man. And so later on what happens is, is, is man sins. Okay? Man is... Humans are deceived and the woman and the man both disobey God and sin enters the world and darkness and death and all. Everything bad is because of us. Just a good reminder. If there's something bad in the world, it's our fault. <laughs> it's not God's fault. If there's something good in the world, it's, it's because of Him. Everything good is because of Him. He's the source of the good creation. So if you have, a, you, know, you have an enjoyable day, that's from Father God. That's not because your boss liked you that day. It's not because anything else. It's like every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in heaven who loves us. It's James chapter 1. So man sins, and of course darkness... Uh, You know, enters the world and all that stuff. And God says some very specific things about what happened because of human beings sinning. You can find this in Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to read it all right now. You can read Genesis 3. Number one is this. It says, because they sin, that now the ground is cursed. So now the dust that the man was formed from has now been 
cursed. Okay? So forever dust and ground is, has, been, has been transformed. In other words, there's, there's something released literally even in the physical world. Uh, doesn't it say that all creation is groaning, uh, waiting for the, the revelation of the sons of God? In other words, there's, there's even part of our, our, our creation is broken. You know, I don't know if that means that there really is global warming or not global warming, any of those weird questions that people like to argue about. But we are in a broken creation. We are in a broken world. And so there are things that, you know, this thing is not going to last. So if somebody says it's not going to last, then I'm in agreement with that. This thing's not going to (laughs) last. It's it's going down the tubes. But there's another part that says that um, when God curses the serpent, he says the serpent goes to the ground and will eat the dust from, from the ground. And so the picture here is this. There's several parts, especially in Isaiah, um, where Isaiah says uh, earlier in chapter 26, you who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. And it says here in 52, it says, shake off your dust in other words, it's saying this, the, the ground now is the realm of fallenness and brokenness and where, where the curse dwells. You need to shake that stuff off of you and rise up to sit with the king. It says to stand up. Literally, the NIV helps us here. Um, it says sit enthroned. But really, it's interesting because it's so funny because God says, get up, now sit down. <laughs> That's what it says. But, but the picture here is, in other words, in other words, you're dwelling in this place, in this, in this realm of dust. And you were created from the dust, but because the, you invited brokenness, the dust is now not the place of life, it's the place of death. It's the place of brokenness. We're, you know, our bodies are put back into the ground and we become dust after our bodies decay. So it's the place of the curse, it's the place of brokenness, it's the place of anything that is uh, less than God intended for creation. And God's saying, no, you've got to shake that off. So I don't know what that is for you. I don't know if that's grief. I don't know if that's lethargy. I don't know if that's hopelessness. I don't know if that's depression. I don't know if that's fear. I don't know if that's disappointment. I don't know if that's addiction. I don't know if that's anger. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, it belongs in the dust. But it doesn't belong in my life. And I need to shake those things off of me. I need I need to stand up and say, I don't belong to the dust anymore. My life is hidden with God in Christ. I have, I have been transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so we got to get the dust off. We need to sometimes just, I don't know, just dust yourself off. I mean, if that helps you do it, just say, you know, to, to physically do something to say, sometimes when you feel too much dust on you, we know about dust in West Texas, right? Uh, we got, we got to dust like you dust one hour, you can dust the next hour and you might have more, you know? And so we got to dust ourselves off. Um, and say, that is not, that is not going to be, I'm just going to shake that dust off. And I'm going to live in the promise that God has given me. I'm going to live in the truth that, of the word of God and what he has declared over our lives. And he says, hey, I want you to, to stand up and sit down. 
And this is so good here because I, th- I think it's amazing. Uh, the, word, the word for seated here in the Hebrew is the word yashab. And even though it means to sit, the idea is to dwell, to inhabit, or to abide. And so what God is saying is you need to stand up and sit in the place that I've made you to live in. You know, this is the place of inhabiting the presence of God, of abiding in the presence of God, of dwelling in the presence of God. And there is, there is a, actually a, you know, part of the connotation that it says sit enthroned in the NIV where it says, look, you're, you're sitting in a place uh, of authority. You're sitting in a place of blessing. You're sitting in a place of, of, of rest. Um, and what does it say, of course, in the scriptures that we're, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. One of my favorite scriptures, Ephesians 2 and 6. Uh, man, if we could get a hold of Ephesians 2, 6, if you can get a hold of that scripture in your life, it can open up prayer, it can open up your identity in Christ, it can open up spiritual warfare, because if you know that whatever's going on in your life, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, well, that, that's, that makes you look a whole lot different and makes God look a whole lot different. In other words, He's a lot closer than you think. And when you're trying to pray to God, it's like, God, where are you? And it's like, you know, it's like when you have your kids, they're like, they're like right here, right here. <laughs> you're sitting next to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, spiritually, you're sitting next to Jesus. And where is he sitting? He's sitting on the throne with all authority in heaven and on earth, with all enemies being put under his feet. And so you're in a place of security. You're in a place of authority. uh, You're in a place of transparency. You're in a place of authenticity. You're in a place of, of love. You're in a place of intimacy with Jesus because of how he has placed your life, your your spirit person is seated with Christ. And sometimes we just have to know, hey, sit down. Sit in the place that I've created for you. Just take a break. You know, it's like when when Mary and Martha uh, came to Jesus in the book of Luke, and it says that, that Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and that Martha was going around doing everything. She's like, Jesus is in the house. I mean, I get it. You get it, right? If Jesus showed up at home group, Felicia, you're like, <laughs> let's pick up a little bit more. <laughs> Come on, kids. I know you can do it. We can wipe this counter down a little bit better. Yeah, because because it's it's Jesus, right? And so Martha was in that that mode. Is like Jesus is in my house, and so she's cleaning. She's doing all the stuff. She's getting the food ready. She's like. I have the Lord and Savior right here. He's here. i got to do something. And Jesus says, you're missing it. Sit down. All your activity is not is for me or for, you know, whatever you think it is, it's not the most important thing. Mary has chose what's important, and it will not be taken from her. There are some things that can never be taken from you as a follower of Jesus. 
And number one is your intimacy with Jesus can never be taken from you. No one can steal that from you. The government can't tell you to stop doing that. That can, it's not going to happen. It doesn't matter what happens in our world. It doesn't matter whether you're feeling great. It doesn't matter where you're in the depth of battling a sickness or disease. It doesn't matter. That can never be taken away from you. Your intimacy with Jesus. Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is more important. It doesn't mean that we don't do stuff. It doesn't mean we don't serve people. It doesn't mean we don't have to have our hands to the plow because yes, we absolutely want to be doing things for God and all that. But we have to rise up, shake off the things and sometimes just sit down and rest. And rest in the presence of God. Rest in the authority of God. Rest in the, in the blessing of God. Rest in, in the promise of God. That we rise up to sit down. And so for some of us, maybe it's time where we've been, we've been struggling and striving and, and, and all this stuff. And we just need to say, okay, God, I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to sit down and know it's enough to know that I'm close to you. Now, what would you like to say to me? Maybe I'm so busy, I'm praying all the time and it's, it's just me talking. I'm telling God everything. I'm... I'm God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm Bob Bart in heaven, I'm doing all this stuff. And what he might want is to say, I want you to just be quiet and listen. What if we just listen to the voice of the Spirit? I said, God, what are you saying? You can't share it on a meme, on social media. It doesn't count to say, I can't just share the scripture and say, oh, Mary was at Jesus' feet. No, I have to be at Jesus' feet. There's no virtual experience for it. Thankfully, we don't have to do a Zoom call (laughs) to connect with Jesus. No video conferencing. (laughs) No technology. Doesn't matter if the electricity's working. Nothing else matters. But if I sit down in the innermost you know, spiritually settle my heart and sit down, I can get close to Jesus. I believe those are good promises for us to hold on to this year and to allow God to unpack them in our lives. And so... I want to just I want to just pray over you. Those are those are the three we're gonna we're gonna go after today, and we we will go further in the coming weeks as as I preach. Um, but I want you to think which one of those if the one of those three things applies in your life personally. Maybe God's holding out the hanger and saying, "Hey, you haven't worn this for a while. Put on my strength." Are you feeling a little bit naked without it? Guess what? I've given you clothing to wear. You don't have to be, you don't have to be in shame anymore. You don't have to, to live that life that you had before. Put on the newness of life that I've given you. I don't know if it's shaking off something God's telling you right now in your life. Man, you know he's talking about that thing. You're like, God, I just want to shake it off. I've got to get out of this, this dust, this thing that's acting like a, 
acting like a curse in my life. It just keeps coming back. I'm just going to shake it off. Uh, or if you just need to get in that place where God's saying, come on, sit down. Sit down at my feet. So I don't know where you are, but I just pray that you would respond to God, not just right now in this moment, but I would pray that you would take time to respond to him in this, this, these coming weeks as you continue to seek him. So let's stand up. If you want to stand up where you're at, I just want to close in prayer as we kind of just let the, the, the Spirit minister to us. Holy Spirit, we, we just welcome you. We thank you that you've been with us this whole time. God, we thank you that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us. That Jesus, when you said that you would be with us until the end of the ages, when you left the earth, God, that that was true. It's still true today that you weren't just Emmanuel, God, with us that first Christmas season. You're not just Emmanuel, God, with us when we celebrate Christmas, uh, when we're thinking about your birth, God, but you're God with us all through the year. And so we, we just invite your presence right now to minister to us, God. We thank you for those that need to put on strength right now. God, I just pray that you give them the tools to know how to do that. Maybe they're like, I don't even know what that means, God. But just begin to teach them from the scriptures. Begin to open up the truth of the word of God. Begin in relationships that they have with, with others who are following you where, where the right words will come out, where wisdom will be released in a conversation, where iron will sharpen iron, God, and things will be released, God. I just thank you for us putting on strength, that we choose to walk in strength. Lord, your strength. Lord, it's not our strength. We, have, we don't have any strength to offer you. We don't, we don't have much that we can do without you. Without you, we can truly do no thing. We can do nothing without you. And so we've tried many things on our own. We've tried the arm of flesh. We've tried our own strength and effort. And so maybe we should try your strength. Thank you for clothing us with strength. Thank you for empowering us, God, to walk in, in your anointing. Thank you for allowing us to, to wear Jesus Christ. It says we can clothe ourselves with Christ, whatever that means, Lord, that we are clothed with the beauty and the wonder and the strength and the love and the purity and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that we put that on and we say, look, it's not me living anymore, it's you, Jesus. Live through me, speak through me, love through me. Lord, for those of us that need to shake some things off, that we've been stuck in the dust, God, we just pray, dust us off right now. We just want to shake the dust off. Lord, this year, we're going to see some things that we thought were going to shake us. We're going to shake them off. In the name of Jesus, we declare that we're going to be walking freedom, God. For those that have walked with, with a limp, Lord, that they've, they've had this thing dragging on their legs, this chain, as it were, so to speak. We're going to unlock the chain from our necks, like it says in verse 4 there. Hey, take off the, the chain, oh, you captive daughter. In other words, once you've been enslaved, you're now going to be free. Where you thought there was no place for freedom, God says, I'm going to free you. And you're going to be able to take off the chains yourself. I'm going to empower you to allow you to walk in freedom. It's not just going to be a magical thing. It's going to be a thing where you participate, where you are partnering with what I have already done in Christ. And you're going to, you know, it's not by works. It's going to be grace. It's going to be the grace of God, where you're going to have the grace and strength to walk in freedom and shake that thing once and for all. We just declare that over hearts and minds and lives in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord, for those of us that need to just get up and sit down, God, where we've been, maybe we need to get up from where we're at and sit in the right place. We need to be close to you. We need to hear from you, God. I thank you that you're speaking to us. I thank you for words of intimacy and closeness being released in our lives. Some of us have been so helter-skelter with our, our thoughts and what's been going on in the whole world and this, in our whole worlds these, this last year that we just haven't taken time to just sit down. And say, Jesus, I love you. And you love me. What do you want to say to me? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want to, what do you want to speak to my heart right now? What do you want to say to me? Help us take that time, God. We thank you that it can't be stolen from us. We can neglect it. We can choose not to sit there, God. But that seat is reserved for us. And so we choose to honor you today. We look forward. We're excited about what you're doing in our lives, God. We choose to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who through the joy set before him endured the cross. Lord, you haven't promised us that we won't endure things, but you you have promised us that as we go through them, Lord, that you will be with us and you you will go before us, that you have made a way through the cross of Jesus, that you always prepare a way for your people, whether that's through the parting of the sea, whether that's through going through the promised land before, whatever it is, tearing down the wall of Jericho, whatever it is, you're always going before us. And so we choose to sit and wait until you tell us to walk forward. And we're going to walk forward close to you. Not on our own strength, but in your strength. And we thank you for that. We thank you for speaking to us this morning from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite our leaders up. Please don't, if if you need prayer, leaders come on up. If If you've never given your life to Jesus then I encourage you to come up and get prayer. If you just need prayer for healing in your body or something specific, don't leave without having one of these leaders pray for us. And if you are coming to our house for a Connect meeting tonight at 7, just come let us know.